This is BPN Radio, your 24-hour Internet prayer station with Dale Gentry and friends. Calling America to pray. A member of the Breakout Prayer Network. Let's pray, America. It's time now for the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves here on BPN Radio. Second Chronicles 23.6 says, And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warriors Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves. Happy Wednesday. This is Pastor Callie with Warrior Watch, and we're so happy to be with you today. Uh, we're going to continue our series uh, with Frida White, Frida C. White, uh, a woman God can use. She's written a book that uh, really is more than it's a powerful book because she takes different amazing matriarchs in the Bible, women, women that God used in the Bible, and then she's pairing it with women in history that have followed in those same anointings and callings. And it's just, not only is it interesting, but it really validates women across the board for ministry and the call of God on your life. And not only is this book an amazing read, but it is a reference tool, I believe, for any woman in ministry to really validate what God's called you to do and to give you some something substantial to look at because there's a lot lot of naysayers when it comes to women ministry. So thank you, Frida, for being here. Thank you. Glad to be back. And we're going to continue this series today. And we're basically going through the whole book. And it's called A Woman God Can Use. You can find this on Amazon, Frida C. White. It will pull it up. Or FridaWhiteMinistries.com. You can find it there. So let's just jump right in, Miss Frida. And you go to teach. Nobody teaches the Bible any better than Miss Frida. Well, bless you. You know, um, this morning in my daily Bible reading, it was in Second Peter 1, verse 10. And I just like to start with that because it says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. And, you know, the whole issue for me is that it's not man's appointment. No. It's God's anointing. And so if he anoints us to do a particular thing for him, yes, then it's not about me anyway. Right, right. And that causes ego to go to the side and be discarded as it should be. Right, right. And so I would like just to consider some women today that were actually leaders of men. They were put in a position of authority by the Lord himself, and they were fully equipped to, to do what he called him to do. And the first woman I'd like to talk to us about in the scripture is found in the book of Judges. Okay. And her name was Deborah. I love Miss Deborah. Um, You know, there's been a lot of talk about a Deborah anointing. Well, it's a very costly anointing. (laughs) A Deborah anointing is not something to make you feel good and have goosebumps and think, oh, well, isn't this wonderful? And uh, no. It is a very costly thing. I believe that she followed right after Joshua. Wow. And that she learned his management skills. I believe she closely adopted him. Uh, As you begin to study, and I've done extensive study into her life, she never tried to promote herself. Wow. And any woman that God will use in these last days has to be willing to recognize that it's God who does the promotion. Never we do it ourselves. Oh, and it I was, love that. And it was the anointing. Yes. That was like a magnet force yes. that, that caused men and women to come and, and sit at her feet and learn of her. And, you know, the scripture says that she resided under the palm tree. And it was like that became the national monument. Right. She resided under the palm tree. Uh, She was very content, I believe, to be a wife, uh, to be a mother to Israel. And the people came to her for her wisdom. And the scripture is very clear that she heard the voice of the Lord and she obeyed him. And under her tenure... um, when you stop and think about it, the Bible calls her a prophetess. Yes. Yes. And she was a judge. Yes. And there's only two individuals that have that determination in the scripture. 
One was a man, one was a woman. The woman, of course, is Deborah. The man was Samuel. Yes. So it's almost as if the Lord said, I'm going to set judges over my people. It was never his intent for there to be a king. No, no. He wanted he wanted a theocracy. That's yes. right. And so he set a man yes. named Samuel. He set a woman named, named Deborah. Deborah. Yes. And so she had the prophetic anointing within her to accurately hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to her. And she could begin to move. Now, in Judges 5, 7, it says this. Village life in Israel ceased. Ceased. Until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. Oh. And you know, God is looking for women that oh. are mothers. And you know, you can That's be a so mother, mother in the natural. But there's something about birthing something in the spirit realm. Yeah. And when, you, when they, okay, let's go back to that scripture when it says village life in Israel, Israel ceased. ceased. That means that there had been devastation to their That's whole right. community. That's ex- And the whole nation. The whole nation. And, and, and then arose Deborah. Well, she, she allowed her will to go to the side. Yes. And she fully responded yes. to the spirit of the living God oh. when he said, I need you. And, you know, we have to come to the place that we're willing to put aside all of our preconceived ideas, all of our agendas, all of our plans, because many are the plans that man has. Yes. But what is God's plan in a situation? Yes. And so she was not being arrogant here. No, no. She was not being prideful. No, actually, she she was just the opposite. That's exactly right. Because when you go to follow God's plan, it's going to always mean going low. That's right. That's exactly right. And so as a result, the, the way I look at that is that she was willing to fully obey the Lord. And so it's interesting to me that God gave her an assignment to go to battle, go to war. And their enemies had plundered the land. They were, they were vicious. And who would think that a woman would get the plan of action to go to war and then would have so much wisdom and so much anointing upon her that she could go to the top general under her and tell him, this is what God says. And, you know, the interesting thing is he didn't want to go. No. He didn't want to go to war. And that was his, that was his profession. He that, didn't, in the natural, he saw no way of them winning. That's exactly right. And so in Judges 4, 8, this is what he said. If you will go with me, I'll go. Yeah. So here's a man who's a military man, high-ranking military. And, and here's this woman who just sits underneath her palm tree, <laughs> full of wisdom, full of the anointing that all of the congregation came to her for insight and how we're going to deal with the problems at hand. And he said, if you'll go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. And she said, now I'm reading this out of the message version. Of course I'll go with you, but understand that with an attitude like that, there'll be no glory in it for you. God will use a woman's hand to take care of Sisera. So she knew her place in the unction and the anointing of God. And the odds were against them. There was no way in the natural that they would have victory. Yeah, this is a classic example of a man's logical thinking. And I'm not downing him. That's right. Logically, they could not win. That's right. In the natural, they could not win. That's right. But this, this, uh, this proves over and over that the supernatural power of God... And the faith that God infuses when he speaks something that seems not natural in the, not, you know, it seems completely supernatural if it would happen. Only right. in the supernatural. That's why we must trust the voice of God. And that's why we have to learn to quiet ourselves. Yes. And get into his presence and hear what he has to yes. say about a situation. Because our ideas and our plans, and, and ladies, let me just speak to you. You need to let go of your ideas. Yes. Because sometimes we think we've got to help God or we've got to help everybody. No, we got to help ourselves to the anointing of God. That's it. 
and we've got to get along with him. And so um, they go to war, and it was the anointing. And I love it because even the heavens came to her aid because there's this violent rainstorm and the enemy's chariots get mired up in the mud and I think only God could do that but he did that before he did that when the children of Israel crossed right. over the Red Sea and they was in you know way and there's no way they could win yes but God but, but God. God and so she began to praise the Lord and her prophetic praises are listed in the scripture and they are powerful so she was a worshiper. Yes. She was a praiser. She led the congregation in praise, and and she led them to victory. Uh, she went to battle. Yeah. And as a result, for 40 years, now wow. that's a whole lifetime, the years. children of Israel were under her unction and her anointing as judge and prophetess in the land. And lived in peace. And lived in peace. Now, the interesting thing about that battle is that um, when they begin to uh, realize that the enemy realize, uh, we've had it, they're going to win. Um, there was one other woman who stayed at home, and uh, she was taking care of her domestic Duties. responsibilities. That's exactly right. And so Sisera... The enemy's general, he flees from the battle, and he thinks he's got it made. I've got away from Deborah and Barak. And so he ends up at this Bedouin woman's tent named Jael. And those women were something else because they could pitch their tents out in the, the wastelands. Of, and, you know, you and I have been to Israel, and, and we know there's nothing out there right. but sand and dirt and more sand and more dirt and a few rocks. And, yeah. and and you finally get to an oasis where there is a palm tree. But she's out there, and so Sisera ends up at her tent. Now, her husband was friends with them. And I believe they probably had had some um, interaction of some sort because he thought he was safe. Safe there. Yeah. He thought that he had escaped the battle. Um, this was friendly territory. He underestimated the power of God. Yes. Because when he showed up at her house, um, <laughs> he said, don't tell any man I'm here. And he said, I need something to drink. And she said, oh, I'll be happy to give he you something to he drink. He underestimated the woman, too. Yes, he did. <laughs> he never, ever, ever thought she would never, do that. Never, huh, that he would do, that she would do to him like she did. And so she didn't give him water. She gave him milk. Now, you and I know warm milk at bedtime is a really good thing. Yeah, sure. So he's exhausted. He lays down. She covers him up. She gives him warm milk. Then she takes the tools that she was familiar with. And I believe this is very important for us in this day because God has put particular spiritual tools in our hand. Wow. And whatever he's put in our hand, that's what we need to use. Wow. So these Bedouin women were very skilled with their hammers and their tent pegs. Wow. And so when he was fast asleep, she goes to him and she drove the tent peg through his hat. Now, she only had one opportunity. To get him. <laughs> because if she missed. Yeah, everybody's dead. Everybody's gone. She yeah. would be the first one gone. But you know, the unction and the anointing of God were on her. And so as a result... She absolutely destroyed Sisera. And she fulfilled the prophecy of Deborah, saying that say it would fall into a woman's That's right. glory. And even more than that, they both fulfilled what the psalmist said in Psalm 68, verse wow. 11 and 12. Okay. It says, The Lord gives the word, and a great army, now I'm reading from the New Living Translation, mm -hmm. or host of women bring the good news. Wow. Enemy kings and their armies flee while the women of Israel divide the plunder. Wow. Now, this is what I began to understand from this. There are women that are called to the public arena. They're the ones that have are on the forefront, like Deborah. 
Right. They've been um, had the unction and the anointing to lead the troops to motivate, motivate, motivate. motivate. What a word! What a word! Motivate others yeah. to follow the Lord. Yeah. But then there's those that just stay at home. Right. And they can be just as skillful dealing with the powers of darkness in their prayer room as the woman that's out in the public sector. That's so good. Because Psalm 68 said it's a host of women. Host of women. Uh, Another translation says female messengers. Yes. And I like it because that word that's translated word in this passage means to publish or proclaim in the King James. It's from the Hebrew word basar, B-A-S-A-R, it means to announce, to bring good news, and it often pertains to military encounters. Wow. Now, where was that out of the message? Psalms. Well, uh, I'm reading out of, uh, I've read, give you message, New Living, and King James, all of them. Okay. Just read all, all of the all different the versions. Okay. That's right. But it's Psalm 68, verses 11 and 12. 12. Okay. So it's interesting to me that God gave this word of power to women. Wow. Two wow. women. Wow. Deborah. And JL. Wow. So our uh, dilemma today is, which one are we going to be? I, I would just as soon be JL staying as, at home. As Deborah, right. As Deborah, because it's his anointing. It's his power. If, if we're in a military account, encounter and I'm skillful in my sitting at home with my Bible that's wore out, I, I grabbed, I have a, a lot of Bibles. Some of them are in pieces, and I won't get rid of them because I've, I've used them so long yeah. that they're like my best friend. Yeah, they, they, they mean something yeah, to they, you. they mean something to us. And so I, I began to look at that. This, this is, to me, indicative of how important it is for us to know the Word and pray the Word. Well, and two, we can be both women. Oh, yes, There's some women that have both anointings. That's right. Because if, if, if even Deborah had the anointing of Jael or she had never heard the voice of the Lord. That's exactly We've right. We've got to have our intimacy with God. Yes. And, and you may be a woman that's called into, like you said, a, a, what I call a higher influence level. Right. But it, at the end of the day, that's without right. Jael, the, the battle would have not been won. That's exactly right. Because he would have escaped and returned. Yes. And they would have had another battle to fight. Right. And so what we want to do is that we want to understand that they both cooperated with the spirit of the living God. Yes, yes. And to me, that's the most important. Yes. Because the psalm says the kings of the armies will flee. And they just, uh, these, uh, this little passage in Judges was a turbulent period of time, but God had women that he could use. And in our day, it's a turbulent time. Yes. I mean, yes. we're living in a time in America where it's an upheaval. I mean, there's all kinds of evil, demonic forces at work. And we need Deborahs and we need JLs that will be skillful in the things of the Lord and hear accurately what God is saying to and them. And I believe, Frida, God has women. Yes. Right today. Yes. I believe they're listening to us. I believe that he is calling them into intimacy and places of prayer to war for our country, to war for our families, our cities, our churches, our nation. God still has women. Yes, he does. They just need to stand up and be who God's called them to be. And they need to understand that God's for them. Yes. God will equip them. And, it, and you need to forget about, if you're listening and you think, well, I would like to do something, but I have been told that. Forget about what you have been told. Yes. Get in alone with God in your prayer room. Uh, I love that movie that came out a few years back called The War Room. Yeah. Where that little lady, I mean, she just stood in the face of the enemy and declared yes. that God's will would be done. And that's where it starts. Yes. And so we have to forget about those uh, ideas that man had and say, God, what do you want? Because he's for us and he will anoint us. And so she's the only one. Deborah was the only one that led the people with moral and spiritual judgment as well as victory on the battlefield. And, you know, the, the Canaanites came underneath their control because of her obedience to the spirit of the Lord. Wow. And I believe that that's what we are. Now, our weapons are found in Ephesians 6. Yes. The weapons of our warfare are not right. carnal. Right. But they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Yes. 
And then I began to think about this, and I said, Lord, show me a woman that was in the, the pages of history that had that same anointing. And I believe the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said it was Joan of Arc. Wow. The Maid of Orleans. And she's actually depicted on the cover of my book, A the, Woman God The Maid of Orleans. Yes, that was another term she was uh, referred to. And Joan of Arc it was a powerful woman um, because for a hundred years, the war had raged between the English and the French. And the dispute was over who would be heir to the French throne. And so here we are in the 15th century. Wow. And you have all these rogue armies and, yes. and all of these um, disarray and, and things going on. And the English were very persistent in overthrowing the French. The English have been pretty persistent throughout the pages of history Street, of overthrowing lots of, of cultures. And so the nation was in complete disarray. And um, the English intimidated the French. And their ranks were demoralized, and, and they had no hope whatsoever. And yet it's in sometimes the greatest periods of darkness that God will anoint a woman. Wow. Wow. And I believe he's a very present help to us if we'll cry to him. It was in 1412. Wow. 1412. A young woman was born to very poor peasants, and she became known throughout the pages of history as the Maid of Orleans or Joan of Arc. Wow. And there was nothing special about her except that she was known in her village for her love of God. Wow. Wow. She just loved God. And she spent enormous amounts of time in prayer. Now, for a young Hand teenager, yeah. yeah, 13, 14, uh, it's unheard of because her devotion to God was well known throughout her community. Wow. Wow. And she said, and all of her testimony was recorded in court and years later, that's why we have all of her words. She said that the angel Gabriel wow. appeared to her while she was drawing water from the stream. And you say, well, do you really believe that that happened? Well, if we believe the Bible, in the Old Testament, 108 times angels appeared right. to them. If we believe the New Testament, 165 times angels appeared. angels appeared to man. So why would we think it'd be strange that, that Gabriel would, yes. would appear to a young peasant girl named Joan, except he had a plan for her? Wow. And I believe he saw her heart. She was totally surrendered to the will of God in her life. And so he called her to mobilize the French troops. Now, here's a young lady that knew absolutely nothing about military strategy. She knew nothing, but she, um, she wasn't wise enough yet. And so after the angel, Gabriel, and he's always the one that will come with the message yeah. from the throne. She tells her parents, and it wasn't the wisest thing to do. Because when she told them, um, they, they repeated it to everyone, and they all thought she was crazy. Right, right, right. Sometimes okay. when God anoints you to do a particular thing, and he speaks something to your heart. You're wise not to say a whole lot right. about Just it. Just let God perform it. Let yeah. God take care of it. And so she was ridiculed and accused of being crazy and demented wow. and every other thing. But you know what? In the book of Genesis, we read about Joseph who had a dream. Right. And he was and called he crazy it, too. And he told it prematurely. Didn't use wisdom. And as a result, it caused great hatred and, and envy and strife, jealousy from his brothers. And so when the townspeople heard about this so-called, quote, unquote, angelic visitation to Joan, they said, there's just no way. She's crazy. And it was inconceivable to them that God would send an angel to someone they knew. See, we don't, 
understand the workings of the Lord. We we judge by outward appearance, right. but God looks at our heart. Yes. He sees whether we're obedient, whether we're yielded to right, him or not. Right, right, right. God made the decision, I'm going to use this woman. I can't find a man to get the job done, obviously, because for a hundred years... There was nobody that stepped up. There was no one that stepped up to the plate and took on the English. And so the whole nation of France was held captive by the English. And so Gabriel and Michael, she said, were both sent to her side. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, God's messengers, that's what they are, angels. They come with divine instructions. And she said that many times she saw the angels. Many times they came and visited with her. And she was able to um, uh, tap into the revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wow. It's interesting to me when I was reading about her because she spent hours daily in prayer, hours daily in meditation on the Lord, willing to be used, refused every selfish um, desire for her flesh. Um, She was able to somehow motivate the men to follow her. So how long after she got that vision from the or the visitation did she actually start getting influence? How long was it? Well, not very long. Within um, a matter of a year or so, she began to realize that, that the timing was come. In February of 1429, wow. Gabriel visited her and said, she was 16 years old by now, wow. and he said, the time has come for you to bring deliverance. Wow. So she did not move until she felt like the Spirit of God was ready, was for, ready her. for her to do. And so as a result, she began to... Um, do what God had called her to do. And she said that Gabriel and Michael both were by her side as she went to battle. Wow. And so when, whenever she began her journey, and it took 11 days, she encouraged her companions that were with her. And when they arrived, the, um, the king withdrew from the crowd, and, and yet Joan had no problem recognizing him. And he tried to persuade one of the lords with him to pretend he was the king. Now, this is where, you know, I mentioned that somehow she was able to tap into the revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit because the word of knowledge began to operate through her. The prophetic gift began to operate through her. And this is what she told him. In God's name, gentle prince, it is you and none other. So she she realized he was lying. And she knew who he was. Wow. Here he was. He moves to the side and lets someone else pretend. And she picked him out in the crowd. She picked him out in the crowd. Wow. So here we are in 1429, a few years ago. Yeah. And here's this woman, young woman, 16 years old, that has is very uh, astute in the things of the spirit. And so she discerns who the future king of France is. And when the king saw her, he asked her what her name was. And she said, Gentle Dolphin, I am Joan the Maid, and the king of heaven commands. Now, I love how she talks. The king of heaven commands that through me you be anointed and crowned in the city of, and I don't speak French, R-E-I-M, Reims, Reims as a lieutenant of the king of heaven. Now, she addresses the Lord God Almighty as the king of heaven, but she tells him, you're going to be a lieutenant. In other words, your authority will be delegated authority under Almighty God. Makes it very clear to him. Yeah, that he's not the ultimate. You are not the big boss, no. That you will be crowned as a lieutenant of the king of heaven, who is the king of France. This Once he understood it, the king told his men that Joan had told him a certain secret that no one knew except God, and he had confidence in her words. Wow, because he, she had a word of knowledge. It was. It was uh, able to just pierce right to the heart of the matter, wow. and he knew. No one could have known this. No one. He admitted no one knew this. But she was able to discern the will of God and speak directly to him. So she traveled halfway across France 
to deliver this message to him. Wow. She has a private meeting with him. No one knows what she says. But the impact on him was significant. And so he made provision for her to stay in the castle. She didn't want to stay in the castle. She said, I want to go to the chapel, and that's where I want to stay. Wow. Wow. So she absolutely refuses anything that would have made her life easier, preferring to go where she could pray and stay alone with God. Now, this woman spent 3,000 miles on horseback. If we were to drive to Los Angeles today, it's a little over 1,000 miles. We'd be so exhausted, it'd take me two weeks to get over it. If we were riding in a car. Yeah, right. All right. So can you imagine? Can you imagine? Wouldn't do it on a horse. 3,000 miles. That's unbelievable. So from the time she... She ha- has her first vision at 14, 13 or 14. Yes. And then at 16, she's in full-blown ministry. Well, that's because she prepared herself. Yes. She recognized that God had his hand on her, and she refused to indulge in anything except what God directed her to do. Wow. Um, totally, totally sold out to God. Totally committed to the things of God. And so um, any horseman would have been exhausted, and she never once complained. On the last part of her journey, she was bound foot and hand. And she even knew that her um, time of ministry would be very short because the angels told her that. And she said, I shall last one year, hardly more, because she was very uh, committed to fulfilling the heavenly assignment that God gave. So she knew that she would only be there for a year. She knew she would be martyred. Wow. The angels spoke her destiny to her, and they told her what the end would be. And they even, uh, later it was recorded, and where they told her, they said, um, I have it written in the book, where they told her to, to not give up, just to hold fast. And that God would bring her safely into paradise. Wow. Let's just take a quick break. Uh, This is just absolutely so, absolutely so um, amazing to me. Um, A woman God can use. We've been talking about Deborah of old in the the Bible and uh, her impact and how God used her. And then we've been talking about Joan of Arc. And uh, we'll come right back after this song. Will be broke. 
Absolutely loving this book, A Woman God Can Use. And we've been talking about Joan of Arc. And so I'm just going to let Frida just pick up where she left off. Okay. Well, here's the interesting thing about her. She said that the angelic voices, which was the voice of the Lord, speaking to her through Gabriel, said that she had four main objectives. Wow. The first one is that the English would be driven away and that the siege laid to the city of Orleans would be lifted. That's why she's called the Maid of Orleans. Wow. The city would be free of English domination after she sent them an invitation to surrender. Second, the dolphin would be crowned king and consecrated. Third, the city of Paris would return to the king's obedience. And fourth, the Duke of Orleans would return from England. All four things came to pass exactly the way God told her. He gave her the revelation. She was bold enough to speak it, and it came to pass exactly. From a young teenager, uneducated, simple faith, and believed him. Wow. Wow. So she accurately heard the voice of the Lord. She didn't add anything to it. No, no. She spoke exactly what he said. And there's no no wiggle room here. Right, right. I mean, she's when you're declaring that the city of Paris will return, it better return. Yeah, if right. If the English are going to be surrendering, then they best be this doing is either that. A, this is either a true prophecy or a false one. There's That's no, exactly he, that, There's no uh, room there. So Joan was very bold in declaring she belonged to God, and she never questioned God's plan for her life. And so the... 
before it all came down, the English had said if they caught her, they would burn her alive. And that was a threat, but it became a fulfillment because they, they recognized that the hand of God was on her so strongly that she was able to motivate these men that she was the threat, not the French army. She was the, this young, educated teenage girl. Yeah, right. So here she is, untrained. And so when she arrives, um, she finds that the men that are in training um, are undisciplined. And they're involved in all kinds of things they shouldn't be. And so the king gave her the authority to act like a warrior, which she was. And she was meticulous in their training. She drove the prostitutes away from the men. She said, you will not pillage. You will not swear. You will not use blasphemy. It was forbidden. And if she became angry, if she heard any of the men swear... And once when she was deterred from doing what she believed the Spirit of the Lord had directed her, she told them, in God's name, the counsel of our Lord God is wiser and safer than yours. So she was not intimidated by something that they would tell her. And so whenever she got to the city of Orleans, which had been held and advised by the English for seven months, she promised help would come from heaven and she was very calm about it. She was not anxious. She wasn't fretful. She looked them, took the men, and they took the city in, in nine days. Wow. So here they've been held in a vise for seven months, captured. The, the entire inhabitants of the city of Orleans had been captured by the English, and she comes in in nine days, and they're delivered. And they were outnumbered. And just like Deborah was outnumbered, it was the anointing of God that was upon them. Yeah. It had nothing to do with them being a woman. It had yeah. to do with the anointing. Right. She had that, heavenly help. <laughs> that's right. So um, that was after this was when they threatened her. They said, we will burn you if we ever get a hold of you. Because they were so mad that she was able to get them Yeah, free. it's one thing for a male army to defeat another male army. Yes. But for a woman yes. with an army that's, by all the logistics and statistics, should lose. That's right. Now is defeating. This is a real blow to their ego as well. It was huge. And that's why they were determined to do that. And so as, as the, the English, their casualties were 2,000. The French army lost three men. Unreal. So, you know, this is history. This is history. Three and, men. And yet here's this woman who loves God with everything in it. And she goes into battle with them. Oh, absolutely. Led them with her banner flying on her horse. And it's how is it possible a 16-year-old girl could crush the military might of England except the anointing? And, you know, later um, they take her to trial. Uh, the king did not stand by her. He caved. Uh, the French king. That's right. The man that she had helped to um, become, the, become king. the king. He was, she was, there's pictures of her standing with the men as he is crowned. Wow. With her banner at her side. And so the men that benefited from her courage and the, her commitment, they chose to look the other way when false accusations were made. Wow. And I, I know where the, the accusations came. Religion. Wow. Religion. Because they were jealous. They were jealous of her influence. They were jealous of her commitment. They were jealous of her her um, ability to tap into the things of God. You see, religion wasn't a game with her. It was a relationship with the Lord. Right. And she was quick to let this known. And she said this about, um, she was told by the angels, take everything serenely. Do not shrink from your martyrdom. From that you will come finally to the kingdom of paradise. Wow. She knew it was a part of the plan. She did. And she did not run from it. She did not um, try to abort God's plan for her life. 
she made this statement, and it's recorded in the trial that they did with her. Uh, the angels often come unseen among Christian people. I often see them among Christian people. And so she's captured. She's put in prison for a year, and she was burned at the stake May 30th, 1431. Wow. Her obedience to God cost her dearly. This was a cruel, cruel, horrific thing that happened to Joan of Arc. And you know, the, it's recorded that as they, the fire began to consume her, she just kept praising God. She began saying the name of Jesus over and over again. Her last word in a loud voice was, Jesus. Wow. Wow. She was 19 when wow. she died. Now, Revelations 14, 13, I believe applies to her because it says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow after them. Wow. Finally, in 1456, an investigation was ordered. 25 years later, she was declared innocent. <laughs> 25 years after she had been in heaven of all charges and the church designated her a martyr. God bless them. Can you imagine? It was religion that put her on the stake. Wow. Because of her commitment to God. Due to her actions, hope was restored and it prevailed in France for centuries if um, you look at the history of the nation of France, there's one woman that stands head and shoulders above everyone, and it's Joan of Arc. The book of Hebrews talks to us about those kind of women, the kind that re raised their dead from life, received their dead from life. They were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. They had trials of mocking and scourging and chains and imprisonment. That's Hebrews 11. You know, we like the Hebrews Hall of Fame. You know, that we do mighty things in the name of the Lord. But there are those that, died. that did not have deliverance. Right. And Joan of Arc is one of them. So when I think about two women that had similar anointings, the reason I, I believe the Spirit of the Lord led me in Joan of Arc is that she was a leader of men Yes. on the battlefield. Yes. She brought deliverance. She actually heard very clearly the prophetic word, spoke it. Every time that he told her something, the Spirit of God told her something, she spoke it with clarity. It was recorded. I mean, the king has his secretary or whatever he was called, writing down everything, and those things are a part of history even today. Yes, yes. All of the things that were recorded at the trial, I mean, they examined her, and they said she's a virgin. They could find no fault with her. They could find nothing wrong with her, except that God was at work on her behalf. Yes, yes. And that was the end of the story. So it encourages me to think, if, a, if some day somebody would say, oh, well, a woman could never be in a position of authority, and I think, well, you better take that up with the Lord God himself because he anoints them and he causes them to be in a position that they need to be in because he knows what it will take to get the job done. Right, right, right. We, we have no comprehension of what the price will be paid. Another lady I'd like for us to look at in the scripture is a, another woman known as a prophetess, and her name was Huldah. And she functioned in high positions of authority in Israel, and her ministry was during a time when the, the, the people had quit serving God, the, the nation was in total disarray, and we read about it in First Kings. And... There was a prophetic word that was given that a child would be no, born by the name of Josiah in 1 Kings 13, right. 2. And God marked him before his birth that he would be the good king that would come forth. 
And when he came into the throne, he was just a young boy of eight years old. Unbelievable. Uh, and yet God had, had planned from before his conception that he would be used. And so he set about having the temple cleansed and restored because it had fallen into uh, disrepair. And as they're doing the work of the restoration, the lost books of the law are found. So the people have not had their, they haven't been going to the synagogue, they haven't been reading the Torah, they haven't been involved in the work of the Lord. Now all of a sudden it's found. And the nation is an idolatry. And Josiah is doing a good job of cleaning it up. Now, the prophets that were of note in that day were Jeremiah, Zephaniah, and the prophetess Huldah. Two men, one woman, that were known to hear clearly the voice of the Lord. And God began to, to move and as we read about it in 2 Kings 21, the king realized that something had to be done. And so um, I'd like to, to just look at 2 Kings 22, verse 11. It says, when, the, when they came to him and they told him that they had found the lost books of the Bible, yeah. he rent his clothes, and this is what he said, Go inquire of the Lord for me. And for all the people and for all of Judah concerning the works, the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not listened and obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that's written. So he says, inquire the Lord. Now, who did he go to? Did he go to Jeremiah? No. He went to Huldah. Wow. So the respect that he had for her wisdom, wow. for her clarity, her prophetic word was big, was huge. huge. Yeah. It was huge in that day. So here's the king of the land knowing that the nation has been going in a wrong, wrong, direction. wrong direction. He's turning it around. He ordered that the temple be cleaned and restored. They finally find the lost books of the law, the Torah. And he said, I, I need to hear from heaven. Wow. So here we have Jeremiah, Zephaniah, but and he Huldah. But he gets Huldah, Huldah. He sends for Huldah. Because she had the ability to yield and discern the will of God. That tells me that her reputation was pretty good. Yeah, stellar. Stellar. In Jerusalem, it was stellar. No question about it. And so she began to speak with very plain words, faithful words, and she didn't. Um, she wasn't intimidated by the king. She wasn't intimidated by his officers and the men that would have been with him. Can you imagine? Here right. she is in, in the prophet's chambers in the city in Jerusalem when all of these high-ranking individuals come and say, the king has sent for you wow. to interpret what this means. And so when she shows up, she's not afraid of what man can do to her. She just speaks forth the word of the Lord. And God gave her the message, and she proclaimed it. Wow. Now, to me, this is so vital because what happens is many times God will speak things to us, but we feel insecure Intimidation rises up. Afraid to say it. We're afraid. To, what will people think? Right. right. And we back off. We back off. Huldah didn't back off at all. In obedience to her words, when she spoke, they realized it was the word of the Lord for wow. them. Wow. Wow. There was no question that it was God. Wow. And so <laughs> it's even uh, the same narrative is repeated in Second Chronicles 34. So twice in the Old Testament... It's recorded how God used a woman in the prophetic office just like he used the men right. that were in the prophetic office. And I think that's the way it should be. Yes, of course. Uh, we should not have either or. We should no. have and. Yeah. Whoever does say it, the Lord. Whoever hears God's yeah, voice. Yeah, right, right. That's at the Lord. When he calls them and then they respond because I think he calls a lot that don't respond. That's, that's the whole thing. 
and many times they don't respond because of fear of man or wrong teaching. Yes. And that's why I really believe God wanted this book brought forth is to give us examples from the scripture and from history that God is for you. He's not against you. Yes, yes. And if he gives you a word, then we need to speak as boldly and clearly as Holder did. Joel 2, 28 says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people, on your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. On my servants, my servants, his servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So what's the afterword that Joel would have been talking about? That God would use a woman in the Old Testament as a prophetess. Surely he'd do more in the new. Of course, of course. Than what he did in the old. And when the Redeemer comes, he will restore all things that have been um, in disarray because of the work of Calvary. Right. Thank God. So as I think about people like Joan of Arc and, and Hulda, there's another woman in France that came to mind. Okay. And her name was Madame Guyon. Okay. Jeannie. And, you know, you think about these women of the, the, the power that they did not have, the conveniences they did not have. No, I mean, their lives were very hard. Very difficult. Very difficult. And yet there was something on the inside of them that caused them to run hard after God. So here we have the rule of Louis the 14th, and it's a corrupt time in 1648, a couple of hundred years after Joan of Arc. And she called herself a little vain, proud butterfly. She just <laughs> enjoyed life. And um, she was a favorite in the Paris society. Wow. And her parents had wealth, and, and they indulged her. But, you know, in those days, your father arranged who you would marry. You didn't have a whole lot of say about it. And you could say, well, I don't want to, but ultimately you're going to have to give in. And so her father arranged her marriage to a wealthy man, Jacques Guyon. He was 38, and she had just celebrated her 15th birthday. Oh, wow. So she's just a young teenager. Marrying an old man, basically. Marrying a man that's middle-aged, yeah. And in that day, it would have been an old man. Right. And she accepted her father's will for her, even though she had no feelings for this man. And yet her home was filled with grief and mourning over the few years that they were married. Because of her husband, his mother, and even the servants, Um, her husband's mother lived with them. She was a widow, and she ruled their household with an iron fist. She was um, obsessed with preserving her son's economy, even though he was making bad financial decisions. She was determined to hold on to everything, and she was very critical of Jeannie. And I would think so. Here's this young girl. Beautiful girl. Probably... um, I don't know whether I would say she was beautiful, but probably striking would have been the word. Yeah. Uh, Full of energy, everything that youth has to offer, coming into the home as mistress of the home, but not really. Right. Because mother-in-law is going to rule the home. Is the one that's totally in control. Absolutely. And so she began to uh, make all kinds of insulting slurs to Jeannie, and her husband wouldn't uh, say anything to his mother. And it got so bad that even the servants, and they had servants, would copy. And they would say things about her. And, you know, it's recorded because she wrote her autobiography um, that the more they talked about her, the more they said insulting, hateful things to her, the more she prayed. Wow. She just began to cry out to God. And so her husband is plagued with gout. And he spends months at a time in bed, but he won't let his wife tend to him. He has a young servant girl he wants to tend to him. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, you want to know what in the world was going on in that deal. 
So she had every opportunity to become bitter. Because she's married to the man, but he really is not nice to her. He's hateful to her, insulting to her. And she said it was her cross to bear. And the more the slander increased, the more she studied her Bible and the more she prayed. Listen, we're going to have to stop real quick. Okay. Okay. And we're going to end this program and we're going to pick it right back up. Uh, because we're on a time frame. I am, this is so wonderful. A woman God can use. Uh, I want to pray for you real quick. Lord, I just declare that every woman listening today will just be more determined and more passionate about following your plan than ever before. And we just give you the praise and the glory. We thank you, Lord, for Frida C. White, for Pastor Frida, for what she's doing. And uh, we'll, we'll catch the next part of this series on our next program. We'll see you next Wednesday. For the past hour, you've been listening to The Warrior's Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves as your host. For more information concerning this program, go to bpnradio.com.